This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 149, The Chosen, with Dallas Jenkins. everybody, I'm Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and co-host, Becky Proudfit. Well, hello there. Oh, man. Talk about, <sighs> like, the biggest honor ever, okay? And when I say honor, I want to be very clear what I mean okay. by it's an honor to have this guest on our show. I don't mean honor because he's, like, awesome and very talented and kind of a big deal. Yeah, no. I don't mean that. What right. I mean is... It's all those things, yes. Yes. But what I really mean is that it's an honor when you meet a human being whose level of courage mm-hmm. and conviction is so high. Like it just... It's straight it's, up inspiring. It's awe-inspiring. And you know what's really interesting? I remembered in this conversation when we were recording with him and I brought up that that thought of just all the feedback he's getting, the phenomenal feedback of people's lives being changed for the better, the opposition type of feedback, the just naysayers and the people who are just, you know, kind of throwing attacks and criticism his way. And one thing that I remember him saying is that he can't ride the highs or descend to the lows or -hmm. descend with the lows. I think that's really important because to me, I was like that. I just want to process that even more. And I think of that in connection to how I think all of us can develop our own character is we're all going to receive praises and compliments and kindness. We're also all going to receive opposition and criticism and mm-hmm. naysaying. And, and I love Dallas's personality, A. And B, I love his approach to that, that none of it really matters mm-hmm. because I heard him say somewhere else, not in the conversation with us. He's like, We're, we live in a cancel culture, but I can't be canceled unless I cancel myself. And I was mm-hmm. like, dude, you're nailing it there, right? right. That's so good. Um, another thing that I loved about this conversation is he shared with us like these four kind of pillars of their brand, what they're about, what the show is about that we're going to be sharing all with you. And it really came down to that it needs to be, the show is about being intimate, authentic, playful, and disruptive. Isn't that so good? Here's what's so cool about it. As a fan of the show and having watched all of it, going, you know, almost done watching Mm -hmm. it through a second time. I'm going to watch it again this summer with my family again. Uh, When he said those four, I was like, yep, check, 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 and check. That's exactly what they accomplished with the show. They are so true to their mission in accomplishing these things that they set out to do while bringing people closer to Jesus. It's awesome. I'm so excited that we get to talk about Jesus with another... Love it. And if you haven't guessed, based on the title, we're talking about the series, The Chosen. Yes. Oh, Oh, man. I mean, everyone's either seen it or heard of it, right? <laughs> I would hope so. If not, if not, you're welcome. Yeah. Now you get to hear about it. Now you will watch it. We'll, sh- we'll talk about how kind of toward the end of the show, but with all of that, we're really honored. Like Becky said, thrilled to pieces to be able to share with you this, um, this conversation that we've had with Dallas Jenkins. But first let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. You're listening to this podcast because you believe in progressing as a person and making continual learning a way of life. That is why you're our people. Mm -hmm. Aside from these weekly episodes, we want to be sure that you know about one of the best resources in your personal quest to cultivate a good life that will guide you in actually literally being the author of your own story. The BH Classroom has been a valuable resource for thousands of students around the world for several years, and now... These courses.
courses have become even more accessible to even more people, including you. Our courses are now offered in much smaller, much more palatable mini courses, which also means much more affordable prices. The feedback we're getting on this shift has been remarkable and quite exciting. It's one thing to enjoy the content. It's another to take action. And that's what we're hearing on repeat right now. We're hearing about the epiphanies and the action taken and the success stories. We invite you to have experiences like this. Start today. Start with Documenting 101, which is just 45 minutes shorter than an episode of your favorite Netflix series. And you too will feel personally empowered in your own documenting. Whether you're seasoned or just getting started, you can trust us to guide you along. Learn more at classroom.beckyhiggins.com. Well, Dallas, thank you for joining us. Welcome to Cultivate a Good Life. Well, thanks for having me on. Well, listen, here's the thing I just want you to know that you've heard 7,000 other times, probably in the last 24 hours, but The Chosen is literally, historically, in my entire life, my most favorite TV show ever. That's all. Just wow. need you to know that. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that, is, that is awesome to know. Thank you for sharing that. Well, you hear it a lot, right? Uh, I mean, yes, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to risk, risk sounding, <laughs> sounding arrogant, but it is a fact that I, that I do hear that a lot and it's very gratifying. Well, that's awesome. And I'm glad that you get that kind of feedback. I, I was thinking about why it's a favorite show for me personally. And I thought of three things really quickly, just off the top of my head. I was like, well, first of all, it is the highest quality that you could ever want in a TV show in terms of acting um, the videography, like everything about it, the storytelling. Secondly, anything that I watch that invokes personal growth, sign me up. Like if I'm actually benefiting, right? And then thirdly, it's about Jesus. I could not love a concept more. And I think that is what Becky and I are so excited about talking to you about is we, the three of us, on, in this conversation right now, have a common love for the Savior of the world. And we are grateful for the work and the devotion and the sleepless nights and the talent that you've cultivated and curated to bring about the chosen. So I just want to make you blush first, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> well, well that, mean, that, that means a lot. And I, here's the reason why I, I don't actually blush when those comments are made and why I don't get a big head, um, mm. which sometimes people ask, like, because the, the show is growing so fast, and they say, oh, do you ever struggle with ego or a big head? And I actually uh, don't at all, uh, believe it or not, well, believe it or not, sounds like, <laughs> sounds like I should <laughs> have a big ego. I didn't mean to say it that way, but the, the, the reason is, is because it actually has the opposite effect. Um, I don't have, I mean, since since my, my movie a few years ago failed and at the box office, and uh, I had this kind of life altering moment with God where, uh, I realized it's not my job to feed the 5,000. It's only to provide the loaves and fish. And I am now just in, in, in a desire to be in God's will. Uh, the, the chosen came about, it was birthed out of that failure. And through this whole process, there have been so many things that are so much bigger and better than I am, than I've ever been, than I ever could be. Uh, they transcend the work that I've put into it, that it's clearly, not the, the the level that it's reached is clearly not me. Now I'm not I'm not falsely mm -hmm. falsely 
I think some people can be falsely humble to where they just, every single compliment they ever get, they're like, oh, it's not me, it's all God, it's all God, it's all mm-hmm. God. I don't believe it's all God, actually, because Jesus actually had the disciples bring him loaves and fish. And when he distributed the loaves and fish, he had them do it. And when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he had them roll the stone back and he had them unwrap the grave clothes. He does want us to participate in his work and he does want us to do our part and he does want us to work hard and prepare. Um, I don't believe in the phrase God helps those who help themselves uh, because it's actually not even in the Bible. But I do believe in the concept of we do as much as we possibly can to make sure that our loaves and fish are as good and healthy as they can be. And I do believe that I've provided good and healthy loaves and fish, but the level that it's reached and the impact that it's having and the transcendent response that people are having to this project is way bigger than I'm capable of being. So uh, it, it doesn't result in a in kind of a misplaced ego. The other thing that I wanted to say quickly as you were re- describing the show, um, I think that's one of the cool things that we're finding is that typically when you have a show that fits the category of two and three, which were in, in your words, you talked about um, it, it, it gives you, uh, I don't remember exactly what your words were, but you were talking about how it, it's like educational. It, 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 it yeah, makes this you personal development mm-hmm. and growth yeah, development. through watching. That's right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Development and growth, which are not the kind of words you would see on a poster for a show or a movie. Um, Because it typically would scare someone off. It sounds boring. It sounds like a documentary. Mm -hmm. And then the third one, which is is about Jesus, it's very, very uh, difficult. If anything, and I've seen pretty much every Jesus project ever made. uh, And and typically, if it's about Jesus and it's about personal development and growth, it's not actually entertaining. It's not engaging. Uh, There's something kind of formal and distant about it. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that we've done the most with the stories of Jesus is humanize uh, Christ and humanize that experience and make you connected to the first century. And what's interesting about it is that typically that would result in maybe the opposite of personal growth and development. Maybe it would diminish the deity of Christ. And what we're finding is that it's doing exactly what we hoped, which is it's an actually, for some people, enhancing the deity. Mm-hmm. When you realize the creator of the world uh, is actually dwelling among us and dwelt among us and danced and laughed and dressed his wounds and um, told jokes, uh, and uh, in addition to doing miracles, it, it in many ways makes you even more in awe of who mm. we're created by. So I, I think that's that's the goal with the show. I love that. Well, it's I, interesting that the name of the show, like we've got to ask you about that. There are so many names for Jesus of Nazareth, right? So many. The Chosen... I mean, how did you come up with, of all the names that you could have used, Lamb of God, Savior of the World, Redeemer, The Great I Am. I mean, there's so many names for Jesus. Why The Chosen? Well, none of those names would have made for a good title of a show. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) The Chosen is referring to more than just Jesus. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's actually referring to three things. It's referring to the Jews as God's chosen people. It's referring to those he chose to follow him uh, in the gospel stories. And the majority of the show is about those people. It's yeah. Uh, Jesus is is one of the main characters, but he's one of them. Not he's not the main character, mm-hmm. and uh, and then it's referring to Jesus as the chosen one, which is probably a term that is least used in the Bible mm-hmm. of all the terms you mentioned. Uh, in fact, I'm not even I can't I couldn't even really think of a. I know there's a Bible verse about the chosen one, but I, I it's actually not a common term for Jesus. So uh, it just it just was a, a term that that seemed to fit multiple things and. And uh, and so we, we went with it. But yeah, I think 
the Lamb of God uh, <laughs> uh, would have been for a somewhat intimidating uh, show right. title that probably wouldn't have drawn too many people in. Well, and to be honest, that's that's been done a hundred times, right? The narrative right. of Christ has been told a hundred times, um, very strict to the scriptural telling. What I what I super appreciate about the storytelling in the Chosen is first and foremost the way that you portray the disciples. Um, man, I can just see myself so much in each of them, and as you've given them, kind of. A definite personality and historical context and families and friends, I feel like it has opened, it's opened my mind. It's opened my mind to the possibilities. Um, and Matthew definitely comes to mind. Um, having a son, I have a son who's on the spectrum. And so watching Matthew and his characteristics and the way he's navigating his life and then as a disciple of Christ, I think it qualifies, like it gives almost qualifies all of us. And sometimes I think in the scriptures, we kind of weaponize them against ourselves where we're like, well, they were amazing. And we almost make them the disciples, maybe even larger than life, more righteous than any human could be. And in doing so, we disqualify ourselves from ever being part of the story. And I think with your storytelling does exactly the opposite is it qualifies us. And that's what I think about when I think about the chosen, the title you did is I can now see myself, and it's given me a place to see myself and say, well, wait a minute. If Christ chose Simon Peter, and he was not perfect, he was a human being as we all are, Christ could choose me too, and I could choose him, right? It it puts me front and center back in that story. And for me, having the scriptures come to life like that is such, such a treasure, yeah, that's great. There's a lot to unpack there. I think, first of all, yeah, I have ex- a lot of experience with autism in my mm-hmm. family. Uh, I've, my wife and I have done a lot of work in special needs communities. And so I know the autistic world extremely well, which is why when we were building our kind of character profiles for our main characters and we started analyzing Matthew and and I thought, oh, this is he's got kind of some Asperger's uh, qualities. Mm-hmm. And then we thought, well, wouldn't that be really fascinating to have someone on the spectrum in a Bible show. That's never been done before, and it feels like it would really humanize him and humanize these people and connect us even more to the first century, which is very rare when you watch a Jesus Project. It feels like something that's distant. And when Mm -hmm. you see them do things that we do and think the way we think, and you see them have personalities, and you see quirks, like little quirks that uh, we don't normally see in period dramas— uh, it inherently makes you go, oh, they're like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we, we hear that from autistic kids and parents of mm-hmm. autistic children and autistic adults who mm-hmm. say all the time, Matthew feels like me. And that mm-hmm. just, that is, that is the ultimate. That's the ultimate thing you can hear. And that's the goal with the show is, again, we believe if you can see Jesus through the eyes of those who met him, you can be changed and impacted in the same way they were, which goes to what we call the before. And that's what you were talking about in the last a minute of what you were saying was uh, in our devotional book, my, my wife and her writing partner and myself wrote, have written two devotional books for seasons one and two. And the first chapter of the first devotional book is called Before. And it's referring to what is oftentimes not included in scripture and rarely included in any Jesus or Bible projects, which is who these people were before they encountered Jesus. And the before is where God enters. Our, you know, our lives can be defined as who we were before we met Christ, 
who we are when Christ or God, or God the Father enters into our life or intrudes in our life, and then who we were after that encounter. And I know the different faith traditions look at that in, di- in different ways, but uh, this moment uh, in The Chosen for each of these characters where Jesus shows up mm-hmm. and, and intrudes in their life and does something impactful, the reason that that's more impactful, the reason that for the audience we can personalize it and be emotional when we watch it is because we've known who these people were before Jesus entered. We know what their problems were. We know what their concerns and questions are. We know what their struggles are. And then hopefully we can then identify with the solution and the answer to their problems. Mm. And it's funny when you mentioned Simon, for example, like we did screenings of episode one, season one, uh, test screenings before the season came out. And I made a couple of adjustments based on those test screenings. But it was really interesting to have screenings in, in, with, with different faith traditions mm-hmm. and how some were a little bit more uncomfortable than others with the portrayal of Simon as a fighting, gambling guy who mm-hmm. had a temper and Matthew as this kind of unlikable tax collector. And we would get feedback um, saying, you know, I don't really like Matthew or I don't really like Simon. Now, of course, now they, those, you know, Matthew is probably the most beloved character in the show besides Jesus. Um, but you have to, you can't rush through that part. You can't rush mm. through the before. Totally. Uh, the before is where we identify most. And I think for some believers, uh, it can be a challenge uh, to to come to grips with seeing the heroes of their faith portrayed in in negative ways. And in fact, even after they encounter Jesus, how they don't get perfect, how, they, how not mm-hmm. everything works out perfectly. We explore that in season two, where some of these characters that we were hoping would have it all together now that they're following the Messiah around every day. Uh, and they don't. They still struggle. Well, and, and I think uh, watching for season two, you know, season two, we're about probably about halfway through the episodes, right, as it is releasing week to week, watching, particularly with Simon Peter, kind of that story arc. And I think I relate on a personal level because I definitely have a before. I have a before that resembles some of those characters um, before Christ came into my life. And the thing that I love is that there really is no, no definite finish line in the after, that the after is now, just that Christ is a presence, that you're, you're focused on aligning with Christ, on following Christ, on doing your best, but that doesn't mean that you become Christ. It doesn't mean you become infallible or pride leaves you forever, right? This is an ongoing journey that, that we're all on, and I have, I have so enjoyed watching these characters, and to be quite honest, you know, episode three in this season was particularly impactful, um, you had mentioned it. it's shot, it's essentially one location, a, kind of a behind the scenes of Christ performing miracles and watching um, the disciples and, and the people in this story kind of struggle and trying to figure out like their role and what they should do and what's right to do and fighting their pride and, and all these things, man. And the interpersonal sing- dynamics yes. too. Yes, yeah, exactly. What what an what a great illustration for any person in any situation in their life, right? Yeah, episode three takes place in one spot, like you said. Um, we call these bottle episodes, which is it's kind of a longstanding uh, television show device where it used to be done to save money. They would just occasionally do an episode with like one or two people in one location, mm-hmm. and uh, that these are the episodes. Episode three of season one was similar. 
episode three of season two. Those are the episodes that I write by myself because I'm not very good with plot. Uh, my co-writers are much better than that, than I am at that. And so it's usually a very simple, <laughs> very uh, contained storyline, and we just focus on dialogue uh, mm-hmm. and, and character. And episode three of this season, uh, we, we just see the disciples, what I call backstage, as Jesus is just commu- uh, you know, uh, doing performing miracle after miracle. And when we really explore the conversation, I really wanted to, 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 to put myself in that moment and go, okay, if I had a chance to follow and hang out with and not just be a student of, but be a friend of and be a regular participant in the work of the Messiah, like the Messiah, mm-hmm. what would that be like? Now, I'm not Jewish, but I, when, I, when I do research on the Jewish faith and Jewish traditions, it's even more intense uh, because they were dealing not only with the the passionate desperation that they had for the Messiah, but also expectations they had for the Messiah that weren't necessarily met by Jesus. So it was really important for me for to, to have the audience wrestle with some of that through the eyes of these people. And they're asking each other questions, and they're at different levels of, of faith. And I'm sure you have felt that too, or you've been in a circle of friends, one of whom maybe is more biblically literate than you are, one maybe who is new to the faith, and you're all asking these questions, and some people don't think it's appropriate to ask certain questions, maybe they sound like doubts, and all that working things out, uh, to me, felt very, very relevant, very current, very relatable, and I think that that also can escalate, and so that episode escalated and escalated until the point where they were actually yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, just felt really real. And I, I think our operating principle uh, when we're writing is, is this plausible? And is it real? Is it human? Uh, is it intimate? I mean, those are the four, um, mm. I know I'm starting to ramble here just a bit, but this is kind of the four uh, brand principles, operating principles of our entire project is intimate, authentic, playful, and disruptive. Uh, mm-hmm. Those four words define our entire project from the marketing to the actual content itself. And we believe that's also true of Jesus himself, intimate, authentic, playful, and disruptive. So you'll see mm-hmm. that in the show. You'll see that in our social media. And uh, I think you saw that in that episode. Oh, and speaking of your social media, <laughs> this is one of the things I love about you guys as a brand and as an as a, a series is that you give the the viewer the follower, um, the customer, an inside look at how you guys are actually creating this. Instead of just putting it out there and hoping for the best and hoping that people connect with the show, we love watching the social aspect. We are huge advocates of social media, by the way, and using it for good. And that's one of the good things I see coming from The Chosen is that interactive community element. None of us can actually show up in the show. Well, actually... I think we're. I think we should be extra sometime, Dallas. We need to we talk about that. We were going to ask you. That was our awkward question. Our friends Dave and Emily got a chance to be extras, and we David like Butler know, and Emily Freeman. We we're would like, like oh. to know if Becky and I can be extras in the chosen. That's not what yeah. I was going to ask, but she asked it. We're trying to reduce the number of white people in the background of our of our. Of our Fair point. Uh, Fair point. That makes sense. <laughs> but you might be able to to sneak in here and there. So we'll we'll have you on the set sometime we'll, for sure. We'll talk yes. about that. Okay, good. You just made Becky's dreams come true. That was anyway. a question I said I just might cry. If he says absolutely not, you are not invited. <laughs> no, you, well, you, good. For sure. 
I'm glad we got that ironed out. Well, the thing I was thinking about, though, go, let's go back to what you were saying. You were talking about that wrestle. It's one of my favorite words when it comes to faith. I think most of us, if not all of us, experience some sort of wrestle. And I can imagine that your viewers um, and your community and the audience at large, everyone's wrestling a little bit with something, whether it's wrestling with um, the way a character is developed or wrestling with the fact that you guys are even doing this, um, all of it. Have you seen a pretty fair share of opposition as well as all that positive feedback that we talked about at the beginning? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, every day. I mean, every, every day I'm called a heretic or a blasphemer or, mm. um, you know, drawing people to to hell. I mean, all, all that stuff, contradicting the Bible every day. And it's uh, most of it I actually find funny and entertaining. Um, and, and you can what, tell on social is, media. You guys have fun yeah. with that. <laughs> I love yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I have a superpower in that I genuinely don't care. So that helps <laughs> not impact the show uh, but it goes it. both ways it goes both ways i don't i don't i'm not also not impacted by the the praise either uh, i mean it's nice mm-hmm. and it's lo- it's why we do it we do it to see impact but um it's not i can't ride the highs or or descend mm-hmm. into the lows so we have fun with it but it just doesn't it doesn't impact the writing it doesn't impact what we're doing uh but yes it, it happens all the time uh, what's funny is it happens in two ways. One is the, the content itself. So there are some people who are just uncomfortable altogether with portraying anything that's not in Scripture. Mm-hmm. They they just tend to believe that the, the people of first century Galilee, there, nothing can be said about them that's not in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fine with historical dramas about any other group of people in history, but not the people of first century Galilee. So uh, that I, that decision has been made. That train has left the station. We're already two seasons in. So uh, that 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 I'm not worried about. But then there's also this piece, too, of what's happening where the show, and I've never seen this in my life. I've been an, uh, an evangelical my whole life. I've My dad is a, a well-known author, has been in the publishing world, the media world of, of Christianity, uh, you know, most of his life since I was born. And he wrote the Left Behind books, which were which sold 70 million copies and were huge successes. But I've actually never seen, at least in my personal experience, a project that united so many different denominations and faith traditions, Mm -hmm. LDS, Catholic, Greek, Orthodox, Jewish, uh, evangelical. And what happens is they all come to the show. They love the show. They love the portrayals of Jesus. Uh, I've, I've actually gotten controversy for some of the things I've said about that, that we tend, that I believe uh, most of us love the same Jesus and that the Mm -hmm. Jesus of the gospels, there's actually not a whole lot of disagreement about, but then they get to the fan club or they start talk, they, they get into the comment sections and they go, wait a minute, you're not supposed to be here. Uh, mm. You know, uh, I'm, th- th- this is my Jesus. Um, and then they hear me say, no, this is everybody's Jesus. And then they start to confuse that with universalism or whatever. And then I get attacked for, which uh, attacked is a strong word, but we know uh, I, I get, yeah. I get, I get intense reactions uh, for, for the fact <laughs> that I talk to a Catholic priest in a Bible roundtable that I'm partnered with some LDS folks that we mm-hmm. shot at the LDS set in Goshen, Utah, mm-hmm. um, or whatever. And it's just for for whatever reason, people seem to be like if we were on Netflix, they'd be perfectly comfortable with us mm-hmm. being distributed by atheists. But having relationships with LDS or Catholics or whatever, or vice versa, people concerned that I'm an evangelical and that I don't believe that Mary is perfect or whatever it is, uh, it, it's all fodder for people to get upset. Uh, but this is still, it remains a minority. The vast majority of people 
uh, are united by the show, and then they actually are intrigued by what they're learning about other faith traditions. They may still believe that other faith traditions don't have it right, but uh, it's been really, really cool to meet people uh, from other faith traditions, to engage on that level, to see the unity about Jesus. And I feel like when you just focus on the stories of Jesus and not all the other theological things that came after he was here, mm-hmm. it really is extraordinary. And, uh, and that's been a beautiful thing about it. I've, I've loved every second of it. I've learned more about other faith traditions and found more mm-hmm. brothers and sisters that I didn't know I had. And so that makes yeah. any time anyone criticizes or calls me a heretic or whatever, I, I, I literally can laugh at it because I'm like, what I've experienced and the people that I've met and the brothers and sisters that I've found make a, a comment from some random stranger uh, who's anonymous, uh, just a, a, a humorous, distra- mm-hmm. uh, a humorous, you know, uh, I don't want to say distraction because it doesn't distract me, but it's, I just right. find it all, I find it all cute. <laughs> and here's the thing <laughs> too, that. Dallas, I, you know, as you're saying that some of the best people in history, certainly, um, you know, lots of people we read about in the scriptures were called very similar things. So <laughs> probably mm-hmm. means yeah. you're on the right track. Um, yeah. you know, I always think about Satan. I think about the adversary cause I think there's a lot we can learn from, from how he operates. Right. Do we put that? Did you put that in like the description of your podcast? I always think about <laughs> exactly, Satan. Exactly. <laughs> Becky. I think about Satan. Yeah. Right, and I, I think about it because I want to know his game plan. I want to know the little ways he's trying to worm into my life and this divisiveness amongst Christians. If I was Satan and I wanted to keep people really distracted, if I wanted to put distance between people and the Savior, I would keep them so caught up in the minutia of, of different faith beliefs of, well, I'm right and you're wrong, that, that, that it would create that distance, right? It would create that kind of fighting. And if we can't unify as Christians over the fact that we all love and champion and want the world to know about the love that Jesus Christ has for each and every one of us. Like, what are we doing if we can't do that? And so one thing I wanted to bring up about the show is there is no doubt in my mind that this show is coming to fruition at exactly the right time in history. Amen. It is so inspiring to me, not only that Christians of all kinds are uniting behind this project. But I'm not sure if our listeners know that this show is actually crowdfunded. That is... So cool. It is breathtaking. (laughs) So cool. And to be honest, I was telling Becky this morning as we were kind of preparing and going for a walk, I said that gives me hope in humanity. Because as we, as believers, as as disciples of Christ, as we are uniting and, and hopefully um, helping projects like these come to fruition, it helps me to know that like the good side is winning. The good side is present and no amount of divisiveness over any issue can override that. Yeah, that's really important. It's what's ironic is that the show exploded uh, when COVID went into full bore. I mean, mm-hmm. we just, we made this decision when COVID hit, we're going to go ahead and make the show free all eight episodes with no restrictions whatsoever in every country in the world. Initially we had this pay it forward model. So yeah, season one was crowdfunded before it even existed. So I mm-hmm. did this, sh- the story is online. You can find it almost anywhere, but I, I had done this short film for my church 
and it was about the birth of Christ from the perspective of the shepherds. And very long story short, that went viral. It was used as the catalyst to crowdfund season one of The Chosen, and $10 million came in from 19,000 people around the world. So we do season one. Well, then how do we how do we, quote-unquote, monetize this, to use a crass, crass term? How do we generate income to, to do future seasons? Well, we have to charge people money to watch it, obviously. That's mm-hmm. what every other, any, any media project does. So we, we were doing that, but we were doing it in a cool way, which is um, you don't have to pay for it. If you don't want to, you can pay it forward, and that will allow others to be able to see it for free. And some people will get to see more episodes than others, but, you, you know, that... that in order for you to see all eight episodes, maybe the first episode is free or maybe even the first couple episodes are free, but you'll eventually have to pay it forward if you want to see all of them and if you want others to see it for free. Very long story. So we were struggling to get people to to do that. I mean, people who saw it, who saw all eight episodes were becoming huge evangelists for the show. But we ultimately decided when COVID hit, let's just for two or three weeks, we're going to make it free in every country in the world. And as you guys no doubt know, because you have a podcast, streaming actually costs money. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a huge amount every stream, but when you're out there and there's a millions of people watching your show, that's a lot of streams and that costs you money. So we th- we said, we're going to lose money doing this, but it's going to be worth it because it's going to be a nice gesture of goodwill and it'll bring people to the show and maybe long-term it'll help the show financially. So for two or, two or three weeks, let's make it free. And the day that we did that, the show exploded and we actually generated four, five, six, seven times as much income that day as we had ever before. Because wow. people, when they saw it, then got engaged, wanted to make sure others could see it. And they were just paying it forward at a massive amount. And they were buying our gifts from our gift store, uh, you know, where we've got shirts and hoodies and, and books, you know, our devotional books and our DVDs. People were just going crazy buying this stuff uh, because it was also life-giving. We make sure that none of our gifts or merchandise are just randomly promotional. Mm-hmm. They're actually... Uh, interactive. So the reason I'm saying all that is I believe that the show exploded not only because we just all of a sudden made it free, and I think God's impossible math has something to do with that. Make it free, you make more money. Uh, that, that doesn't <laughs> typically work. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Sounds so, like God. but I think people describe all the time that when COVID hit, a they had more time, so they were home alone. But b they were really desperate for something hopeful. They were mm. desperate for something unifying. They couldn't connect with other people, and I think. Uh, they, the show did that for them. Getting Closer to Christ did that for them. And then, you know, our social media, our social media pages are very interactive. We respond to almost every comment. We respond to every uh, email. We're just a, a big part of what we do is interaction and engagement. And I think during this time of COVID and during this time of riots and protests, this became not only uh, an oasis, but for many people, a necessity. And I want to apologize. Apparently, someone is now mowing the lawn uh, outside my window. So No worries. That sounds uh, a novelty here in Arizona. So brings back <laughs> yeah. lovely memories. Yes. Well, we have no doubt that not only is The Chosen, like Becky said, it is definitely coming out at the right time. When you guys initially released it, um, given the state of the world and just the way that it's touching and impacting people's hearts and people's lives, uh, there's no question that it's the right time. And I also, I know I speak for you too, Beck, there's no question in our minds that God is in this work. He's in your work, and you are in his work. And the way that you have written and produced and created a show that is bringing people closer to Christ 
and helping to elevate their personal, our personal relationships with Jesus. I, I don't know what to say to that. I just am grateful that people like you are willing to take the chance, to take the risk, to um, invite the opposition, if you will, to be brave enough to overcome all of those hurdles, to do it because you know that this is what you're called to do. And I, I wondered if from your perspective you have felt the calling in this or if it really kind of began as this is a cool creative project. <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting question because I avoid claiming any kind of spiritual authority. I want to make that very clear, and I make that clear quite often. I'm not a pastor. I'm not, you know, I don't believe I'm speaking for God. Um, I, You know, I don't ever want anyone to see me or the show as a replacement for the Bible. I'm not mm-hmm. a prophet. I'm not, I, I'm, uh, so, so all those are, I make those very, very clear. So anytime you use the term inspired by God or this show is inspired, uh, I'm just cautious about that. However, I do believe that God has something to say through this project. And for whatever reason, he has chosen me to help say it or to steward it in some way. And there have been enough moments where I've been writing and something has come to me that wouldn't normally come to me uh, or that that um, I, I don't, you know, just randomly, just out of the blue, just something came to me and I'm like, that's not even really in my wheelhouse or that's not even really in my way of thinking. And it's something very small or specific, like Jesus winking at somebody or mm. um, a, a look between two people or a specific line. And then also I'll write it and I'll love it or I'll be emotionally impacted by it. And then that very thing will people will comment on in droves saying that moment drew me closer to Christ. That moment drew me to the Bible. So I do know that when, when, when those who criticize the show are, are concerned about people being confused or being drawn away from Scripture or replacing Scripture with the show or whatever— or idolizing the actors, or idolizing me. I I often just tell them. I'm, I'll, I'll say, listen, we have had literally millions of responses to this show. Millions of people have expressed what the show has done for them, and ninety nine percent of them speak of. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. It is mm-hmm. always closer to the Bible, reading the Bible more, returning to church. Uh, mm-hmm. My relationship with Christ has been uh, engaged, or has been inspired even more. So that makes me feel better about saying, maybe this show does, maybe God is in this. Maybe he does have something to say. Now, I know also that when I was called to it, it absolutely 100% was a calling. Mm. Uh, it was a, um, a desire to make Jesus known. My, my goal and our operating principle of the show is we want to make the authentic Jesus known to a billion people around the world. And mm. for some people, that's, they they already know Jesus to some extent, but they need to know him more. Or for some people, they don't know Jesus at all, or they have a wrong Jesus. So whatever that is, all I know is that when I was in Magdala in Israel, visiting uh, the birthplace of Mary Magdalene, and I was in a synagogue that just was discovered probably 20 years ago. It was a synagogue that Jesus clearly spoke in. Um, I was standing there, and I felt one of the few times in my life where I feel like God has laid something very, very clear and explicit on my heart. Um, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was very clear. And I felt God sharing with me or putting on my heart that that in several years, this show is going to be known around the world as the definitive portrayal of my people, Jesus' followers. 
Because up to that point, I, I can't, when you think of Jesus' followers, you don't really have a picture in your mind. Uh, there hasn't been any Bible projects or portrayals that really stand out for his followers. And I felt him saying, like, this is what people are going to see. This is who people are going to think of when they, when they picture my people, and I'm not going to let you screw it up. Mm. And I was very overcome by that because it was about specifically about Mary Magdalene I think in that moment I was I, I really wanted to get her right because she's been gotten wrong many times and I just felt God like it was kind of a rebuke and an encouragement and a charge all at the same time mm. and sure enough several years later we hear every day people saying this is who I think of when I picture Jesus's followers and I'm drawn closer to Jesus because of that so I know that's a really, really long answer to your question and statement, but it's really important because I think this is a nuanced topic and I'm very cautious about the words that I use when describing inspiration or calling or God having something to say. And I think the proof is only found in, in the response. Is it drawing people closer to his word and to a relationship with the creator of the universe? And that seems to be happening. I think one way that I kind of compare it is sometimes um, I think we almost treat Christ as like a celebrity that we know that maybe we even idolize, but that we know for sure we're never going to meet, right? There's always distance. There's always distance in that relationship. And watching the Savior and, and the way that he's portrayed in The Chosen has really, for me, closed that gap and helped me to understand even more so, even more than my scripture study and all the things I do on a daily basis to draw closer to the Savior, it's helped me to understand kind of really just that I am his, right? Yeah. That that there is no gap. I am so curious to know um, your thoughts on what I want to ask you about here. Watching The Chosen, my mind has kind of been expanded to maybe exploring Christ's mission to understand who he was, to understand what it even meant to be the Messiah. And I think growing up in, in, you know, I grew up a Catholic, and I just always assumed that it was like this omnipotent kind of human, but mostly divine individual. And watching this has really kind of emphasized to me that the atonement, that Christ's life, all of it didn't happen despite his mortality. It happened because of his mortality, that, that, that the human Christ and the divine Christ were both fully present in the whole process. And so I, I want to know, what do you feel about, about Christ's journey to kind of figure that all out? Do you think he had a journey? And, and how does that affect each of us as we kind of wrestle with what our purpose is and what our, what our role on the earth is? Yeah, this is one of the scariest questions that I can get because it's, uh, you, you start getting into who Jesus is on a larger scale, and uh, people take that very, very seriously. So I'll just give you a quick example. There's a scene in episode seven, I believe. Uh, yes, it's episode seven season of one. season one, when Mary Magdalene is talking to Jesus, and she brings up Nicodemus. Mm -hmm. And Nicod Jesus hasn't met Nicodemus yet. And she brings him up, and Jesus has this moment of like, huh, like, who are you talking about? And then she clarifies, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I've heard of him. Uh, there's lots of moments like that in the show where Jesus is in a conversation where he's learning something new. It's maybe small. It's it's innocuous. Right. It's not like a life lesson. But I 
I'm not certain that that's correct. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know exactly where Jesus fell on the spectrum of all-knowing at all times. There are people, in fact, I think a large amount of people, who because they believe, and I, as I do, that Jesus is God, Jesus is, is uh, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, that the Jesus is not the Father, and I'm very passionate about that. I do believe they are part of the, of, of the Godhead, but, uh, and Jesus is divine, but he's not the Father. And he said several times, the Father knows things that I, I mean, he says only the Father knows this. And he prayed mm-hmm. to the Father and he told people to, to, to pray in that way to the Father. So there was this element, I believe, where, you know, on this spectrum of was Jesus walking around and every single person that walked past him, he knew everything that they were thinking. He knew everything past, present, and future at all times. He just walked around with this just swirl of knowledge just permeating his brain and his heart. And so he always knew their thoughts, all of that. And there's two things about that. One, I'm not so sure that's true. Two, it just really would make for a very weird television show. So (laughs) I personally believe, and I'm not a pastor and I'm not a spiritual authority, so I don't want this to be used against me. But I I personally believe that, I do do believe that Jesus on the larger scale knew his mission. Um, I do believe I don't believe that he was discovering in his 20s, oh, goodness, I just found out where this ends and I'm, I know I'm going to die soon. Right. And I didn't know that until now. Uh, I do also know that the Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So I don't believe that when he was one years old, he was, you know, I don't believe he came out of the womb going, hey, Mary and Joseph, how's it going? I'm here to change the world. Let's, let's, yeah. uh, let's, let's, do, let's this. do this together. <laughs> yeah. So I do believe Jesus was perfect. I don't believe that he sinned. But I also don't believe that, like, when he was playing poker with his buddies, that he knew their cards and, you know, was able right. to, uh, you know, and d- d- people talk about it. when he played basketball, did he, you know, obviously basketball didn't exist, but all these theories about, you know, he, what, what does perfect look like and what does all-knowing look like? And I just believe that Jesus, when he became a human being, um, gave up in many ways some of the things that come with uh, the eternal perspective at the right hand of the Father. Mm. And I don't know exactly what that was. I don't know where on the spectrum it falls. There are people who seem very confident about that, and they declare it as fact, and I'm not willing to do that. But in the context of this show, I, we do portray Jesus as, uh, as quote-unquote, normal when it comes to day-to-day interactions with people. But on the large scale, he does know his mission and there are clearly hints throughout his ministry in the Gospels where he's making reference to what's to, to what's to come, and I believe he knew that. But I don't know what age Jesus was right. when he fully realized I'm going to die on the cross. Well, and well, I think that the larger principle here is that we can look to Christ not just as the Savior and Redeemer of our world, but we can look at his mission, at his journey in mortality, and know that when we're afraid, that when we feel like God is asking us to do something that is so big or so scary or so whatever, that there is a path forward, right? That that has, it's been modeled. It's been modeled by the Savior, which was why, in in my opinion, again, I'll say the same thing. I'm, I'm not a spiritual authority. This is my personal opinion. That is why Christ had to descend into mortality to accomplish the role, was to show us the way. And so we can take that 
that journey that he went on and apply it in every situation in our lives. Yeah, I believe that. And I, I, like I said, I don't know exactly what it looks like or where on the spectrum that falls, but I do believe that um, if, if Jesus was walking around with a halo and he could, he could levitate and he could, he was just this like heavenly being who just happened to be emerging with us and putting on his Clark Kent uh, outfit to, you know, but he was always Superman. I just don't know what all that looks like. Uh, then I do believe that it somewhat takes away from our responsibility to follow in his footsteps because mm-hmm. we can just and easily to choose, say to choose him. Yeah. I mean, I, it, well, yeah, but I think it also just in many ways we end up saying, well, I can't, I, I'm not heavenly. I'm not, I'm not, a per, I'm not perfect. I never will be. So at least on this side of eternity. So, uh, I can't relate to Jesus, so that he's not really an example. Right. And but we know he was tempted. We know that he faced what we face. So I just believe he he is the perfect embodiment of what 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 the the human ideal is, even if we can't achieve it here during you know in our in our mortal in our mortal state. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage anyone who has watched the show or has questions about any of this, take it to. God. Like if you have questions, if you want to know, you can expand your mind and think and do research and read the scriptures. But I would say that most important piece is if you want to know, go to God and ask him, ask him directly. Yep. I, I believe that too. Just that direct access that we have to him is how most of those mysteries and those questions can be addressed. And, um, it, it's clear to us that that type of direction is what you seek for in your life and in your work as well, Dallas. And we could talk to you for hours, <laughs> no doubt. But we will when we come on come yeah, the set. That's it's right. Fine. When we come it's on fine. set, we'll just, you know, <laughs> kidnap you and your wife for a day and just chat around a fire. <laughs> well, and, and, and I'm, I'd, I'd love to come on again sometime and we can talk about maybe other things if you want or, oh, or I'd love it. D- d- we dig even deeper that. in some of these, uh, theological uh questions but yeah i I can't let you leave here without letting you know too how much those left behind books meant to me as you know the first one came out in 1996 i was a teenager who was wandering that definitely in my before and read all of those it was such impactful work i had no idea until earlier today when i was doing some research i was like how did i not connect those dots those left behind books um were just incredible for me as I was on a journey to kind of, to kind of find my, um, spirituality. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, last year was the 25th anniversary of the, the release of the first left behind book. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And, uh, it's, it's kind of cool to see both, both my dad's project and my project, I think are attempts to take scripture and move it mm-hmm. out of the distant and into the personal and into the, you know, if, if maybe understandable uh, is a way to put it without changing the intent or character of scripture mm. and uh, and to see the impact that it's having uh, twice is, is a pretty cool thing to be part of. So we, f- we feel very neat. fortunate. What a it's great family so cool. legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's very evident. Everything that you're saying is very evident that God is in those details for sure. The details of your legacy, the details of the work, the show, the community. I want to be sure that people know um, how to watch The Chosen. It's funny. Every time I've talked about it on social media, I've talked about it a lot. And I'll get the question, how do I watch it? And I'm like, well, I mean, 
literally just you, you open the app and then you hit play. <laughs> but why don't you just speak to that for just a quick minute? Make sure people know how not only to watch it, but also get involved in helping to fund the continuation of this project. Yeah, so uh, because most people are used to what they have, which is Netflix and cable or whatever it is, and so they'll say, well, where is it? I can't find it. Uh, we are the first show ever to have its own app. So the, the, the bad news is you have to go get it. Uh, it's not just You're not just going to find it on your television. Um, but the good news is it's free and it's easy. So you just look up The Chosen wherever you get your apps, Google Play or, or App Store, and uh, you download it to your phone. And it takes less than a minute. Now, you may be thinking, I don't want to watch a Jesus show on my phone. And I totally agree. I don't either. Uh, our distribution partners, Angel Studios, invented technology that allows you to connect it directly to your streaming device. So Apple TV, Fire Stick, Chromecast, uh, Roku. Um, and you don't need a subscription. You don't need to put your email address in, anything. It's totally free. And now some people struggle sometimes with the technology of it. Uh, it's not intuitive for them. So we have a help button in the app so they can, you know, if you're, if you're struggling, you can use that and they'll walk you through it. And some people may need to actually get a streaming device that they don't have. Uh, you know, it's time to kind of get, maybe it's time to kind of get into the next yes. stage of where <laughs> television is headed. Uh, but Let's go there. <laughs> if it's, if it's so free and easy, then how in the world do we finance future episodes and seasons? And that's where our viewers do come in where we say, look, we don't have a big studio writing a check for all this. Um, we don't, you know, we're not writing the checks for all this. We don't have that kind of money. But if you want to keep it free, if you want uh, to see future episodes and seasons, you don't have to pay for it if you don't want to. And if you don't have the means to do so, I don't want you to. But if you do, and if God is stirring that in your heart, then you can pay it forward. And that happens in the app or it happens at the website, which is thechosen.tv. I don't want to give people a bunch of websites because they'll forget them. But um, if you go to where you can pay it forward, uh, you can choose to pay it forward and that allows others to keep watching it for free and it pays for future episodes and seasons as do our books and our DVDs. We really want people to be able to go deeper into the stories of the Gospels and uh, so that's why we've got the devotional books. We've got an interactive Bible study uh, and for some people they want to watch it on DVD so we made these great DVDs that have tons of extra content on them to take you even deeper. So uh, yeah, it's a very engaging participatory process. Uh, it's outside the system, yes, but uh, it's also that also I think protects the integrity of it and makes mm. it even more interactive. And so our our fans are literally responsible for mm -hmm. future episodes and seasons. I love it. And, and you can get the DVDs and all those amazing gifts that he was talking about at thechosengifts.com. We're going to link it in show notes um, so you can head there if you want to do DVDs instead of streaming. Also, their social media, you guys, is at the chosen tv series and i love following them on instagram like i mentioned we're going to put everything in the sh in the show notes like becky said but dallas i just want to um close out just with one more thing that i just wanted to mention to you on a really personal note um my 18 year old son just received a mission call to serve in argentina for two years and um at the time of recording it happened three days ago so this is super fresh my mama heart is tender and i'm thrilled for this choice that he's making to go share about the love of jesus to the people in this beautiful country and the reason i wanted to bring that up with you is because it was within hours of him receiving this exciting news that he said to me mom I need to watch The Chosen again. I need to watch it all the way through. In fact, we're going to figure out how he can watch it in Spanish with English subtitles so he can start getting that sure. language in. But I just wanted to personally, as a fellow 
um, follower of Jesus, thank you for giving us a tool and a beautiful depiction of all these amazing people that we can identify identify with um, so that it makes it easier for us, whether we're serving as a full-time missionary or not, no matter which faith background or tradition, to be able to share about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Oh, that means a lot. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm always so moved when I hear from parents because uh, when I grew up as a teenager, I didn't feel like I had uh, media that I could consume that exalted my faith or Christ that wasn't painful to watch. And I know that parents struggle now uh, with things to watch with their kids that, uh, I mean, at the very least, you just want to watch something family friendly. But then if you can act right. something that actually makes them drawn closer to Christ, that's that's like unheard of. And uh, so when I hear teenagers uh, or younger even say that they love to watch the show or they want to watch the show, it's just jaw dropping to me. Uh, so it's very exciting, and uh, yeah, it's, I'm, 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 I couldn't be happier to to see the next generation um, more engaged with Christ. It's it's, it's everything. And yeah. then again, like you said, going to Argentina, he's going to be able to uh, mm-hmm. show it to people uh, free and easy and in Spanish. That's right. Yep. Exactly. At the end of the day, you guys, there's hope. Isn't this mm-hmm. so cool? Like there is so much hope in Christ. There's so much hope in the world. And the chosen is just one very strong piece of evidence that's, that, that supports that. Yep. Absolutely. Dallas, thank you for spending this time with us. We so appreciate you. Absolutely. Let's do it again and, soon. And friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for this for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on. And we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.